to the corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three rebound. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. All right, we are underway on this Wednesday, May 10th. Welcome to our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio and welcome to this hour of Flames Talk. Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media along with you. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We'll talk some Wranglers this hour with Kevin Rooney. Remember... Rooney was a free agent signing back on, I believe it was July 13th of last year when free agency opened up and started with the Flames, then joined the Wranglers and has been there ever since. So curious his perspective on both sides of things. We'll hear from Kevin Rooney a little bit later on this hour, but we've talked a lot so far this offseason about the pending UFAs that will all enter final years of contracts for the coming season. We've talked a lot about Elias Lindholm's future. We've talked a lot about how to handle things with Michael Backlund and his future with the team. Tyler Toffoli, Noah Hannafin, Nikita Zadorov. we've talked about. But one guy we haven't really discussed when it comes to his future is Chris Tanev and what that looks like with the Flames because he's also entering the final year of a contract and he's put together three really strong seasons with the Flames. In fact, I would suggest, first of all, hi, Wes. Wes is with us on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. Well, hi, Pat. I appreciate someone acknowledging that I'm here. Because nobody else has. He walked right in and nobody even said hi. Um, I go back to, I'm just kidding. Everybody said hi to Wes. When he got signed in whatever, October in free agency uh, of 2020, when he came in and, and his first year was the shortened 56-game schedule, it's got to be one of the best free agent signings, unrestricted free agent signings the Flames have had in recent memory. I mean, he's the three seasons of the four that he was signed to, and I know there are a lot of people apprehensive about the four-year term and the injury history and all that type of stuff, but you know, Tanev's been a really good member of the Flames uh, and, and I think has given them everything that they've asked for. I think he's been exactly as advertised since joining the Calgary Flames for the 2021 season. Kind of tough to kind of tough to find a lot of flaws in what he's done here. Yeah, absolutely. I remember hearing going back to when Glenn Gullitson was the head coach at the Saddledome. I think he might have set a daily reminder to go up to the general manager's office and say, "Hey, we should really try to get Chris Tanev. He arrived from Vancouver absolutely loving the player." And when the Flames finally did post Glenn Gullitson ad Chris Tanev, you can see like you can see why he was so coveted by the former coach, why he was coveted in, in free agency that year. I, I've described him many times since, as I'm sure you have. Like he's a guy that you don't fully appreciate until you watch Agreed. for 82 games. Right. I, I certainly had an appreciation for what Chris Tanev could bring seeing him, you know, five or six times a year with the Canucks. But when you watch him every night, it's hard to not come away really appreciating what he brings to a team. So I guess the only blemish would be that this past season, he 
was limited to 65 games, so missed 17 games due to multiple trips to the injured list. Never anything super serious, but missed three or four games here, three or four games there. And so I think it was four or five different trips to to the injured list. And And potentially four or five different injuries. Yeah, and I don't think there was ever a stretch where he played at 100% this past year. I think that you know coming into training camp, still getting acclimated to the shoulder surgery that he had in the off season and then going right into the year. I, I I don't think there were very many stretches, if any, where he played at full strength this past year. No, absolutely. He had the shoulder going on. He had something lower body toward the end of the year. He had something going on with his hand or a finger. It's like it was, if it wasn't one thing, it was another. And, and I think more often than not, it wasn't just one thing; it was another and an, and another, and that certainly took a toll on his effectiveness. I would say he was still an effective player when he was in there, but I'm not sure it was the Chris Tanev we've seen the past couple seasons. This was Tanev when he spoke on Locker Cleanout uh, at the end of the regular season and was asked about his future as a member of the Flames, entering the final year of his contract. I love it here. I mean, I think it's a great city. Um, we definitely enjoy living here I mean for me I'm just I'm focused on getting uh, my health where it needs to be and then getting better this summer I mean I'm not really thinking about uh, thinking about that right now I've played a lot of hockey on one-year deals and it does not really gonna bother me my biggest thing is to go out and be the best player that I, I can be for the team when I come back in, in September so Tanev turns 34 in December I guess here are the the drawbacks in terms of bringing him into next season or potentially re-signing him. He's 34 in December. He has had trouble staying healthy throughout his career. And for the last about calendar year, you go back to May of 2022 during the playoffs where he exited in uh, the, the late stages of the Dallas series and didn't come back until the late stages of the Oilers series. Um, the style he plays leads to wear and tear and having to miss time and he's entering the final year of a contract on the other hand he's absolutely vital to what calgary does defensively they're away from the puck play is drastically different when he's in compared to when he's out and we've seen how this group looks without him in the lineup so i'm curious on the text line i'm curious wes i'm curious just overall like what what type of trade option should Tanev be, and what type of conversations should we be having about his future with the team? Because we've had a lot of the conversations about the other guys, but Tanev isn't one that we've broached a whole lot. I'm just curious as to where you are on, on what that future looks like for him. Well, let me answer this big picture before I address Tanev specifically. I we all know what the summer of 2024 can potentially look like for the Calgary flames. And if you don't know what I'm referring to, just to recap seven, what I would say key pieces set to become UFAs after next season, Lindholm, Backlund, Toffoli up front, Zadorov, Shillington, Tanev, Hannafin on the blue line. And and so big picture, I want to start with this because I do feel like in the past month or so since the season ended, since we heard what we heard on on Garbage Bag Day or Locker Cleanout Day, there's this sense that you either need to sign these guys to extensions or you need to trade them right away. And 
I would push back on that a little bit, especially with a regime change coming potentially in Calgary. And and if it's not a total regime change, then an internal candidate who's going to have his own ideas about the way the roster is made up. I don't think you have to make all these decisions this summer. We're coming off a year that everyone started to say, oh, yeah, we're not going to see as many first-round picks get traded on trade deadline day. That's always really easy to say a couple months before trade deadline day. We're looking at a historically potentially deep draft, and we saw just a ton of future assets get moved on trade deadline day. I don't think... I, you don't want to do it with all seven guys, but I don't think you need to be either locking up or selling these assets this summer. I, I think you can take some of these de- decisions, I'm sorry, to the, the trade season, deadline. Yeah. I, I really think that a guy, and so let me answer your question finally, I really think a guy like Chris Tanev is either super valuable to your team and what you're doing next season. And we've we've heard, and I know it's not what every fan wants to hear, but we know Don Maloney thinks that this is a team that with a few minor tweaks should be in the mix for a playoff spot next year. That's not coming from me. That's coming from the new president of hockey yep. operations. We heard what John Bean said about rebuilding. Like this team is not looking to sell off everyone for future assets and and see what happens in 2027. And so I think Chris Tanev is, is a vital part of that quest to be a playoff team next season. Whether you as a fan think that should be the aim or not, that's what they're trying to do. And I think if you're not a playoff team, or, or maybe even if you are potentially a playoff team, but don't think you're a contender, then I can't imagine a whole lot of contending teams that would not be interested in adding a guy like Chris Tanev. He's probably on the short list of top penalty-killing defensemen in the NHL. He's a guy who could slot in and, and make your second or third pair instantly a whole lot better. You know the I think type. He's, I think he's one of the top shutdown defensemen right. in the NHL. And so if you sit on this decision until the trade deadline next year, I don't think you're hurting yourself. The only way that you would hurt yourself is if you, quote-unquote, lose him for nothing. And I don't have as much of a problem with that when it comes to guys at the age of 34 where he will be. You signed him as a free agent. You got the four years out of him as a free agent. And if, if that were to happen, okay, you can live with it. You know, the guys that I think that you really need to guard against losing for nothing are the guys in their prime. And those would be Hannafin, Lindholm, and to a lesser extent, Zadorov. But I'm not as worried because there's a real desire for him to stay. And knowing that he's been training hard and is expected to return Oliver Shillington. Yes. As well. Yes, agreed. And he's got one year left on his deal. Um, But I really think the two that you need to maximize because of the trade they were part of and because of where they are in their careers, I think you need to guard against being at the trade deadline without contracts for Hannafin and Lindholm and then being faced with, well, do we let them walk past the trade deadline and risk losing them for nothing? Or do we trade them and, and potentially become less competitive in a playoff push? Don't put yourself in that situation with those guys. A little bit different when it comes to a guy like Tanev. The reason I bring him up is because 
it does feel like they're going to need to make some cap space available for themselves. We don't know how much the cap is going up. It's only projected right now to go up a million dollars. We don't know if there's going to be some sort of agreement made where it goes up larger than that. So maybe it's a three or a $4 million bump. If it's a larger bump, the the need to create cap space is a little less urgent. But as of right now, they've got like $81.5, $82.5 million already committed to next year's cap because of Huberdeau's money coming on and because of Uyghur's money coming on, Vladar's money comes on, so on and so forth. So they may be in a spot where they have to make a move. And if that's the case, I look to two areas. Number one, I look to the guys who are entering final years of contracts. And number two, I look to the biggest position of strength on my team. And for me, that's the blue line. So then you hone in on the Zadorovs and Tanevs and, and Shillingtons and, and obviously Hannafin. So those are the guys that I look at first. Let, let me put you on the spot. If you're an opposing GM phoning the flames about a defenseman, who's your first ask? My initial response is Hannafin, just because of the age and the experience and the tools. But I think need-wise, you could convince me it's Tanev, just because of what he can mean to a blue line. And that's why I bring him up, because I think with a year left on his deal and a team that is looking for an upgrade defensively, maybe a team that made the playoffs this year but feels that they're really missing that defensive presence who just happens to also possess a right shot, I could see, you know, I'm I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, I could see um, who are some of the teams that went out in round number one, right? Like I could see Colorado being like, we could really use a Chris Tanev, right? Or I could see um, a Tampa Bay looking at Tanev and saying, okay, that contract, one year left, we could really use that guy. Uh, I even think of, of, and I'm not sure you're trading him in the division, but I even think of Los Angeles likely to lose Gavrikov Gavrikov and Alex Edler. Yeah. Or potentially lose Alex Edler. And, you know, there's a potential fit as well. Yep. I think that's absolutely a, um, that, and in the division makes it a little bit harder, but if only one year left on the deal, I don't think it's completely um, out of the question. So if you're going to trade him, though, go get value. Exactly. Get the best value you can get. I mean, Chris Tanev is, is a terrific player, a, a great shutdown guy. He's not scoring on a breakaway in game 82 to eliminate you from the playoffs. Like, could, could he be part of eliminating you at some point? Absolutely. But if you can get best value... And I would say this for almost any of your pending UFAs. If you decide you're trading player X and you think you can get best value in your division, I'm not sure you should be too yeah. hesitant. I get, I think he'd be I think he'd be a guy who commands a good return. I think you'd be very happy as a Flames fan with the return that you'd get back for a guy like Tanev, knowing he's 33, soon to be 34, knowing he's entering the final year of a contract. I think you'd like the return that you got for him. You'd free up $4.5 million or up to $4.5 million of cap space. I think it's something they could look at. But at the same time, even though, and I, I'm, my, I don't know what my handicapping would be on it, but I think there's a decent chance that, Tanev in the Flames part ways at the end of his contract only because maybe he's looking for a different uh, a different 
place to to wrap up his career. And on top of that, he'll be 34, soon to be 35, when his contract comes to an end. So I could easily see them parting ways at the end of the season. But if they were to go, if they were to move another blue liner, keep Tanev, or even not move another blue liner and keep Tanev, I don't think it would be an absolute travesty if they went past the deadline, didn't trade him, and he did end up walking. It's a little bit different with him than it is for some of the other guys in the the same circumstance. Yeah, and I would just add, in terms of what you would expect out of Chris Tanev, like there's some guys who, if they're not extended and they're going into the last year of their deal, you can get some hurt feelings in that scenario. You can get some guys who certainly aren't checked out, but there's some lingering frustration that their contract situation isn't sorted out. Like, I think you know exactly what you're going to get every night yeah. out of Chris Tanev, whether he's signed to an extension or not. And I totally agree with you. Like, I understand the, well, don't, you don't want to lose anyone for nothing. And I get that. But in a, almost an entire league that is cap strapped right now, if a guy can help you and then you lose him for nothing, you know, this we're not talking about Johnny Gaudreau walking and signing with someone for seven years. Like if you lose a 34 year old defenseman as important of a piece as he's been for nothing, I, I think that's something that every organization needs to be yeah. willing to swallow. Well, especially if the organization is dead set on remaining competitive and, and having a bounce back year. And again, like you said, you may be listening right now and, and, screaming at your speaker or or furiously writing a text as 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 you're listening but the flames are very much trying to bounce back and be competitive and be a playoff team next year i don't think there's any doubt about it so and it would have to be i i think it would probably have to be almost by necessity that they make a move like that because they need to free up the the type of cap space they might need to go and chase another forward or something like that. And that's why to me, the best way to deal with this or the best time I should say to deal with this is going to be at the trade deadline. You know, there's a text that's just popped in saying, do you think Chris Tanev can get us a 2023 late first round pick at the draft? I doubt it personally, but what's the value of Chris Tanev at the deadline with a million dollars left of cap hit? You know, when if you're a team that's now trying to fit in Chris Tanev at 4.5, that's a little tougher to get into your payroll. But when you get to the deadline and you know who has a chance, that you know, the teams know maybe we've lost a defenseman due to injury. Maybe we're just not as strong on the blue line as we thought we were going to be. Maybe we knew we weren't going to be that strong. You know, look at what the... Toronto Maple Leafs did on deadline day to try to add to their blue line. Well, what do you think the next year's Toronto Maple Leafs, and maybe that's not in Toronto, but what do you think that team's willing to pay for Chris Tanev if it only cost them a million on the salary cap? Yeah. And if the Flames want to sweeten it and they're in a position that they're selling assets at that point, you can even eat some of his salary. Yep. And so I just think... And you and I are talking about two different things. I, I see where you're coming from in that they might need to move out some salary sooner than later. Yep. But if we're talking about maximizing the value of a trade asset, I actually think Chris Tanev is worth more on deadline day 
than he is this summer. Yeah, you could definitely you I, I could definitely see that. Now, I mean, if somebody comes to you and and is willing to offer a you know a first round pick or something like that to bring him in this offseason, I don't think you can put it off the table because I do think creating salary cap space is important. I do think supplementing your group of forwards is important. And and maybe that supplement is as simple as Coronado and Pelche, but I do think you need to have at least one new face to spark your forward group that had such a difficult time generating consistent offense last year. And so to Let- do that, you'll need cap space. And to create cap space, I don't think you want to subtract necessarily from your forward group unless it's forced upon you by somebody saying, I'm not going to sign. Yeah, and let me just share something because we're on this topic. I I had a Mm -hmm. conversation earlier this week with Don Maloney and um, a feature that will be posted probably tomorrow or or in the coming days. And, And one of the comments that he made to me was that you need skill in the NHL in 2023 and, and you can't for 82 games a year, try to win two, one or three, two every night. He just said, there's too much talent in the NHL. There's too many power plays. Now you need skill to get to the playoffs. Right. And, and that wasn't him saying the flames don't have any skill. He, he was talking in general terms, but I w- walked away from that conversation I had with Don. And, and that was one of my takeaways. Like he really sees the need, and maybe it is internal with Coronado and Jacob Pelche, but he really sees the need to bolster that forward group. Now, is it going to be totally his decision? No, he's hiring a GM. He wants to hand the keys to that person. But one of my takeaways from that conversation was that specific comment. You can't try to win 3-2 or 2-1 every night. You need skill to get to the playoffs. And... Perhaps I was overanalyzing it, but that sounded to me like him prioritizing that that's something they need to address. Few texts in nine sixty nine sixty. Adam and Calgary writes: Will the Flames even have the stomach to make a move at the deadline if they're in sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth place in the West at the trade deadline? And that's a very, very fair question because I I think the answer could be no especially on like the guy that I think of most is Lindholm. If Lindholm doesn't re-sign this summer and the flames are competitive and in the playoff mix next summer, I would be stunned if they traded him. And that to me is a mistake. And that's why I think you need to know at some point this summer or at the latest in the early stages of the regular season you have to know. You have to have a game plan. We're either signing this guy to the long-term contract, which is the number one ideal situation, or we're trading him well before the trade deadline, which is the number two ideal situation. I don't think, and Hannafin would be the next guy that I, I look at in the same light. Don't put yourself in that spot where you can lose uh, in their prime a asset for nothing. And, and no knock on Tanev, but at his age and the injury history, I don't know if he's the same type of A asset as Hannafin or Lindholm is. And I, I think that there's plenty to suggest that re-signing both those guys is the way to go. But if you can't do that, I don't think that you can actually have the option of letting them walk away in free agency. That is an option that the Flames need to go out of their way to fully avoid, I think. Yeah, I think... To your point, the answer is pretty simple with a Lindholm or a Hannafin. Like you, you either need these guys 
locked up or or you need to cash yeah. in that chip. And it gets a little more tricky for me with guys like Tanev, Michael Backlund, and even Toffoli to a lesser extent. This this is a you know this file of upcoming UFAs is gonna is gonna be a, a real challenge for the incoming general manager and, and the remainder of the hockey ops staff at the Saddle Dome. I actually think Tanev is one of the easier ones to right. address. Well, let me read you a few texts because uh, a few with a similar theme. Uh, you might be playing Russian roulette, keeping Tanev until the deadline, and that he could be injured at that time. This. Trading Tanev at the deadline assumes he hasn't blocked too many shots by that point in the season, and he's healthy. If he's hurt, he has no value. I'd prefer to trade him before the season starts. This. You'd have to trade Tanev at the draft when healthy. This from Randy and Cochran. I agree with you guys about keeping them till the trade deadline. The only issue with Tanev is will he be healthy at the trade deadline? So all those texts came in four different ones, and those are all fair for sure. I just think the, the payoff is the potential value that he could have with such a small cap hit. I really don't think come the deadline. Yes. I really don't think Chris Tanev in the summer is going to fetch you even a comparable return to what you would be talking about at the deadline. Because he would be teams would be falling over themselves at the deadline to bring a guy like that in. And they all have scouts that watch hockey. They know Chris Tanev's injury history. Yeah. It's it's not like in the summer when Chris Tanev has recovered from his injuries from last season, a team thinks they're getting a guy who's never injured. Right? Like They know the risk they're taking on. Right. But I, I really do think if you've got the sort of arms race that you always get, like you mentioned the Colorado Avalanche, if they could add Chris Tanev to their blue line for close to a million bucks on deadline day. Yeah. It's an absolute no brainer for them. Uh, A few other texts. This says, instead of locking into a bunch of long-term contracts for players that not might, that might not move the team forward. Long-term flames are in a unique position with all the UFAs to really retool the makeup with possibly much better chemistry and not just trades for futures, just different players to play a new system and create different winning culture. This reads, trade every UFA, time to stop letting guys walk. Uh, that just jumped on me, and now I have to go find it. Um, but uh, basically, was saying trade everybody UFA, trade every UFA, stop letting guys walk. Uh, this from Dylan and Revy, I'm torn on Tanev. He's a fantastic security blanket, but the rest of the blue line looks headless, like headless chickens without him. Except last time he was injured, I think they looked good that time. But I want them to learn to play well with him and not have to rely on him. So he's important, but maybe he should be moved if his contract allows. Uh, And finally, I think Tanev should be traded. His stock is high. Get a younger D for him. Shed some salary. It's a win-win. Guy's been a warrior, but he's getting older. Also, Wedley said hi, Wes. So you did have somebody who acknowledged you on the text line. It means a lot to me. If... I mean, if the right producer was listening, I might even get on the intro next time. <clears throat> yes, that's a good point. Uh, Pat and uh, whoever the guy across from <laughs> me is uh, with you from the uh, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. This hour of Flames Talk is underway. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. 
Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson, along with you as we continue along on this Wednesday edition of Flames Talk. The Calgary Wranglers are ready for their next series in the Calder Cup playoffs. It starts Thursday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome against the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Game one Thursday, game two Friday, both at the Dome, both 7 o'clock. Tickets still available. The top two teams in the American Hockey League going head-to-head to determine the Pacific Division champions. Big part of this Wranglers team joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. We say hello to Wranglers forward uh, Kevin Rooney with us on the line right now. Kevin, appreciate this. How are we doing today? Doing great. Uh, yeah, Thanks for having me on, guys. And no problem. And uh, good to chat with you. How uh how are you feeling heading into your next series in game one on Thursday night? Yeah, well, I think I'm feeling good. And, you know, the team's, um, you know, definitely using these last couple of days as getting some rest after a pretty physical series against Abbotsford, an emotional series. So um, it's good to reset here over the last couple of days at home and get ready to go and get ready for game one. Yeah, you talked about it. Kind of a, a grind of a series. It goes four games. They're all one-goal games against that Abbotsford Canucks team. Just Take us through it and and give us your thought on that first series you played. Yeah, it was, I mean, like you said, it was all one goal games. And, um, you know, starting at home, I think it was huge. Our crowd was was into it right away and, you know, really helped push us through uh, game one because we were, we were coming off a, you know, 12-day break getting the bye in the first round. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was huge to get off to a good start in that series, especially uh, with how tight it was and, you know, then once we got to Abbotsford, we knew uh, we knew we only had to win one there. So, um, you know, we've been a good road team all year, a good home team. So, you know, we're real confident playing any, anywhere right now. How uh, how'd you like the uh, how'd you like the crowds? And and you had the good game one crowd, a better game two crowd, couple of overtime wins for the group. Just uh, what'd you make of uh, of the crowd and the buzz that you had in those first two games? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, the guys were kind of talking about it leading up to the week, and we knew the Wednesday game was, was going to be good, but we knew the, the Friday game had already sold more tickets. So we wanted to do a good job and uh, get off to a good start and win game one, and then we knew uh, Friday night was going to be a good one. And I think that was probably our most complete game of the series, even though you know we wanted an overtime. But, um, yeah, it was great for the for the guys and for you know everybody to experience um, the saddle home a little bit more full. How uh give us your take on game four on the road. You you lose game three, so you don't wrap it up on your first opportunity. Now all of a sudden maybe you're facing the prospect of having to play three straight in their building and you're down by one after forty with their season on the line once again. Just tell us about the the mood in the locker room and and how your group was able to rally in period number three. Yeah, you know, we've been a real resilient group all year. I mean we've came back in games throughout the whole year. And I think there was just a great level of confidence. A couple of guys spoke up in the locker room going into that third period. and We kind of took it to another level and really wanted to close it out and not, you know, put up, put anything to chance for game five. And, you know, we actually were super lucky because our last three games of the regular season were in Abbotsford as well. And we had to win, I think one to clinch first place. And, 
we remember being there and how tough it was just to get the one win out of the three at the regular in the regular season. So I think we just used the experience from that series and, um, you know, to our benefit there. Kevin, I know that the last game one you played coming out of it, you know, coach love and, and a lot of the guys said, yeah, I kind of felt like we were off for a good stretch of time. It'll end up being six days between games this time around, but it's also the same, similar, same situation for Coachella Valley, but just as a group, how do you make sure that there's, there's no rust and that, you know, you don't have to worry about that once the puck drops on Thursday. Yeah, I think, well, I think leading up to the first round, I think, you know, a regular season ends and a lot of guys are banged up. So I think we took a lot of time to, you know, rest and recover off the ice. Whereas this time around, we, we really stayed sharp on the ice and we've been going hard uh, since Monday and, um, you know, not wavering with our work ethic and practice and our execution. I think that was one of the big things uh, from game one was just our lack of execution with our passing and all that. So I think we're, we're in a better spot now than we were then, but Obviously, we got a um, you know a great team coming into Calgary to play us. It's Kevin Rooney of the Calgary Wranglers joining us here on Flames Talk. Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson on a Wednesday edition of the program. Wes, Kevin, I, I just wanted to ask you about that line you're playing on it, and I think probably shut down line would be a fair way to put it. Certainly, the way we saw you used at the end of that one goal game in Game Four, you played a bunch of NHL Stanley Cup playoff games. Last spring, Brett Sutter is a guy who's played a thousand plus games of pro hockey. Clark Bishop has won a Calder Cup. What what makes that veteran trio of yours tick? Yeah, so it's been probably three months now. We've been playing together, and it's probably you know the longest I've had line mates in my whole career. So it's been nice to uh, stick with the same line mates for a little bit. But I think just like you said, there's just so much experience on that line, and um, I think they're we're all close off the ice which makes it even better and I think we're just trying to lead the way for the team I mean you know at this time of year you need depth to go far in the playoffs it doesn't matter what level you're at so I think we're taking a great deal of pride in trying to drag the young guys into the fight and um, yeah we're having a lot of fun with it you know those two guys are so predictable and kind of make my life easy in the middle of the ice so it's been a lot of fun playing with those two guys. I remember you and I chatting a, a couple of weeks ago at, at Winsport and I asked you about the captain, Brett Sutter, and, and you shared a story about him being the first guy to text you when you were reassigned to the Wranglers this year. Can, do you mind just sharing that? Because I, I think it really says a lot of, about the leader of the group you have there. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he was he was the first one to reach out to me and, it's, and obviously... In my career, it was a tough moment. You know, you're going down, and you probably you just played the last four seasons in the NHL, and you're kind of going down to a new team, and you don't really know what to expect. And uh, to have a captain and a guy, you know, with with as much experience as Brett, be be a guy to reach out to you. It said a lot about um, you know, him as a person and him as a leader, and he's been huge for this team. I think everyone uh, calls him the dad on the team, and it's pretty funny. He just takes it in stride and. Um, but he still can play. He's a hell of a player. He's a hell of a competitor. Um, and it's been uh, fun to be on his line ever since I've been sent down. What's that reset been like for you personally? It, it didn't go exactly, I think, how you envisioned with the Flames at the start of the season, but how have you kind of maybe reset? And on top of that, how much do you look at, at this playoff run as as a chance to not only have team success, but 
showcase what you're capable of of adding to the big club again yeah i mean i think it's been great i mean i get to play hockey for a living i think the first couple of weeks i was down i was a little bit down on myself and i was um you know just trying to find ways to be positive and you know like i said it's i get to play the game of hockey for a living and now i get to you know maybe play a little bit more a little bit more minutes than i'm um i will have been used to over the last few years so just trying to um, take it day by day and continue to get get better every day. And like you said, you know, there's um, there's people watching uh, as you go further into playoffs. So obviously, this playoff run will be huge for me and huge for a lot of the guys on the team as well. Well, and Kevin, I just wanted to to pick up on that. We're talking with Kevin Rooney of the the Calgary Wranglers. Joining a group like you did in December that you know, was, was rolling and had such a, a vibe about them with, you know, they, they were fighting for top spot. Then they're, they're clearly going to the playoffs going back to December. Like you knew you were joining a damn good team. How, how much easier did that make the, the transition going from team to team? Yeah, definitely. I, I didn't, I hadn't known much about uh, the team, the coaching staff and the players. And I learned pretty quickly. I think it was, it was funny. It was my first game down. We were playing San Diego, and I, I remember looking at Dennis Gilbert, and I was like, I'm, I'm kind of nervous for this game. Like, I don't know what to expect. I haven't played in the American League in so long. And he looked at me straight in the eye and goes, don't worry. Trust me. You're going to have a lot of fun out there against these guys tonight. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I guess, I guess, guess we got a good team here then. Like, And, uh, yeah, I think we won the first both those two games against San Diego pretty good. So, um, yeah, I think the confidence level has, has been high with this group since the beginning of the year, and um, it was a seamless transition coming down and playing with these guys. Tell us about Coach Love. Oh, he's great. I mean, I think he's been, you know, obviously huge for the organization, huge for guys, um, you know, that have gotten a chance this year, like Pelts and Dewey and um, even Gibby going up and Des going up at the beginning of the year. So, I mean, He's a hell of a hockey coach. He's young. He is enthusiastic and he can relate to the young guys really well. And yeah, he's been huge for me too. You know, like he um, doesn't treat any player different, whether you're, you know, 30 years old or 20 years old. And it's, it's been huge, you know, having a coach that's, you know, willing to coach you and get you better and try to get you back to the national hockey league. And Kevin, I know that the focus right now is Coachella Valley and and uh, playing game one on Thursday and and what you got going on right now. But you know, as you as you take a look at you know, there's there's been some change in the Flames organization, coaching change, general manager change. I'm just curious for you, and I know that it's it's a bit of a jump looking ahead to September. But does it almost feel like maybe there could be a clean slate for you come the next training camp and and the opportunity to to get what you wanted when signing here is is right back on the table for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's um, you never like to see those change changes happen, and um, but for me, yeah, definitely. You know, there's huge opportunity, and that's why I think these playoffs are are huge for me and the rest of the guys on the team. It's just uh, if it's going to be a clean slate, it's a good opportunity to showcase ourselves and and what we can uh, mean to the organization. So. Yeah, I'm, like you said, I'm still signed for another year, and hopefully, I can um, you know finish this thing off strong and win a championship with these guys, and then you know 
feel confident going uh, back into next season. That's kind of the goal. Well, Kevin, I remember talking to you the day that you signed and then uh, kind of early in the season or late in training camp, you came and sat down with us in our little dungeon in the dome. And, and you know, there was a lot of excitement about joining this group. I just, if, if you can go back and you talk about that clean slate, like what, what made this organization really attractive to you? What, what made signing with Calgary something that you really wanted to do last summer? Well, I think it was just the way they played and the, the way they looked at the game and uh, kind of the personnel that they had on their team. And I, I felt like the team needed some speed down the middle, um, needed some needed a guy that could win face-offs. And I think the the only thing that was missing from the start of the season was the, the penalty killing. I think penalty killing for me has been my number one asset. I mean, I made it to the National Hockey League because I was a penalty killer. And you know, when I didn't have that opportunity at the beginning of the year, it was, it was tough to me. It was tough for me to adjust, and um, you know, especially being on a new team. So I think, you know, regardless, it was a great experience for me on on maybe my next time around being a little bit more ready for that opportunity without the penalty kill. And um, I'm trying to be a better five on five player and try to create more and be a more effective player. And I think, um, you know, I've tried to work on that as much as I can down here in the American League and. Hopefully, it can uh, translate for me uh, when I get my next chance. Kevin, I know you've been uh, a little bit busy, obviously, with a, a Calder Cup playoff push of your own. But uh, as a guy who played for the New Jersey Devils and played then for the New York Rangers, what uh, what was it like for you when you could to tune into the the Battle of the Hudson? Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I actually had. Uh, a bunch of the guys over from the team for game seven because everyone was kind of like asking me throughout the series, who are you rooting for, who are you rooting for? But I have a lot of good friends on both teams. So I just, I was happy it went to game seven. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty funny uh, seeing all those guys compete against each other. And um, it was obviously a hell of a series in New Jersey, um, you know, was playing, was playing some really good hockey and they're uh, giving Carolina a little run too. So um, yeah, it was pretty cool uh, to see those those two teams battle it out, especially a rivalry like that. Since you've had the answer rehearsed, who were you rooting for? <laughs> I was rooting for the Rangers. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Is there, yeah, it might I not even be a, a team, but you know, there there's buddies that you've played with, whether it was at Providence or in the NHL, like, is there maybe one individual, one buddy left in the Stanley Cup playoffs that you're, you're really pulling for at this point? Yeah, I got, I got two, uh, well, obviously, my a couple of my friends that are still in New Jersey, like Nico Heischer and Mike McLeod, Nate Bash, and those guys I'm always rooting for because those guys I played with. Um, but my two two of my college buddies, um, Brandon Tanev, so Chris's brother, we went to Providence College together. Um, so I'm rooting from him, for him from the West, and then um, Noel Achari, who's with Toronto. So those two guys, um, I was lucky enough to win a national championship with in college. So we share. Um, pretty close uh, bond together still. So I'm rooting for those guys to go head to head in the finals. That's awesome. I know there's a lot of people listening who, you know, maybe haven't been out to, to check out the Wranglers yet. And, you know, are thinking, okay, Thursday, Friday at home against Coachella Valley, you know, maybe it's time. If you, if you don't mind putting your hype man hat on for me, how, you know, how exciting is this series going to be? How, how great of an opportunity is this for, Calgary hockey fans to come out and uh, see what you guys are doing there. Well, it's huge. I mean, we just, uh, like I said earlier, like in the first round, we saw how important it was for us to 
get off to a great start in that series and the fans were so into it. I mean, it was, the, it was probably even playing with Calgary and the playing here. It was the, it was the loudest I heard that Friday night game. That was the loudest I've heard the dome as a hockey player. So um, it's a really exciting time in Calgary and uh, we just want to bring Calgary uh, hockey as late, as late as we can into the spring. And it's a, it's a really fun team to watch. We got a, we got a mix of everything. We got a lot of young prospects in the organization that are really taking the next step and, um, we have veteran guys that, uh, you know, provide depth for our team. And then obviously, you know, we have the MVP of the league and this kid is unbelievable. I mean, people in Calgary are going to see him for a long time. So if you want to be the, be the first one to say you saw him with the Wranglers, then you should come out and see us. You might pretty good hype, man. <laughs> wasn't too bad at all. Yeah. He did, uh, did a good job. <laughs> what, <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> What what is the challenge of this series, Kevin? Tell you you played a bunch against Coachella Valley. You played them twice in their building in kind of the final stretch of the season. Beat them both times. How how tough a series is this team going to give you? Yeah, it's going to be. It's unfortunate that it's really not a seven game series because you'd love to see it see it be a legit seven game series. But it's going to be a heck of a series. I mean, they got their. They're a team that's kind of new to the American Hockey League and new to the NHL of Seattle, so they don't have as many prospects, as you'd say, or young guys. Um, they do have a lot of guys in their mid-20s and veteran guys that have been around for a while, so I think that presents it, itself a, a challenge. And, um, you know, they've played in two elimination games in their first round. They played one and they played in the second round and won, won both. So they're a heck of a hockey team, really well-coached. Uh, by Dan Bosma, so it's going to be it's going to be a dogfight out there, and we're we're just really excited for the challenge, and you know, confident coming off a great uh, series win against Abbotsford. Kevin, great stuff, man. Really looking forward to game one on Thursday, game two on Friday, getting uh, more people out to the dome uh, to watch the Wranglers play. Thanks for doing this this afternoon, and uh, good luck in game one. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Good luck. Be well. Kevin Rooney of the Calgary Wranglers joining us uh, on Flames Talk on this Wednesday afternoon. Um, a guy that I, I really, really enjoyed dealing with uh, before before switching teams. And, you know, I, look, he was an open book and had no problem talking about how year one as a member of the Flames didn't go the way he was looking for. I uh, talked about how didn't get used in the area that he's really found a, a niche in, and that's as a penalty killer. But it is a let, let's let's not let's not mince words. There's a different coach next year, and I think this guy on a one-way contract is absolutely in the mix. I mean, you talk about what the fourth line could look like next year. Who's to say Kevin Rooney's not a fixture in this team's bottom six forward group next year? I mean, if if you are Kevin Rooney, you're aiming or taking aim for that spot that Trevor Lewis, a soon-to-be UFA, is potentially vacating, right? He, you're a guy who prides himself on being able to specialize on the penalty kill, who can play reliable fourth-line minutes. Like there, There's a job there for Kevin Rooney, and let's not forget he's signed to a one-way deal. And so I... I don't think it's far-fetched at all, and I've been quite impressed by what I've seen out of him and the Wranglers games I have watched. I don't think it's far-fetched at all to think that he could be one of your 13 or 14 forwards with the Flames to start next season. Yep, yep. it's a... Uh, 
He's a really interesting guy, and and I've always really enjoyed dealing with him. I'm that was a great interview. Really it, good, really stuff. good. Yeah. yeah, always, always really enjoy dealing with Kevin Rooney. And he's got uh, another year left on his deal, and yeah, I think he's very much in the mix and pretty good way to wrap up your season, getting an opportunity to potentially go deep, wrap it up with a Calder Cup championship, tough trophy to win. Yeah. Uh, it's a cool story, and and one of the what I th- I think a lot of Flames fans because he got sent down in early December, you know, kind of just became out of sight, out of mind. If you're a Flames fan and you're thinking about other players in that role, and and I don't know, I'm just curious. He had a nice training camp. We were talking about could he be a guy to play with Coleman and Backlund on the left side? Like, is that something that we could see? So, I still think there's something there. In uh, in in a specific NHL role for Rooney, I think they signed him for a reason. It didn't work. I don't think the coach was was ever bought in from the get go. Maybe the next coach will be. Yeah, but he's the guy, and and I think you're absolutely right. I I'm not sure that the the coach really ever was that fond of Kevin Rooney, but he's also Kevin is a guy who's really taken ownership for getting sent down. Him and I have chatted after yep. a few Wranglers practices and. We heard some of it there too. He's not blaming everyone else for the fact he's with the Wranglers. And and quite frankly, I I really appreciate the way he's embraced being with the Wranglers. And, you know, I, I know that guys don't want to talk about what this could mean personally to them. That it's, it's all about a Calder cup run and team success. And and that's what you expect to hear that. That's absolutely the way it should be. But this is a really good showcase for Kevin Rooney, you know, Don Maloney's going to be in the seats every night. You've got a chance to, when a new GM gets hired, to, if the Wranglers are still playing, showcase yourself that way. Like this, this is not only a clean slate, but at a time of year that not many guys have a slate, this is a really good opportunity to say, hey, don't forget about me. Uh, Pat and Wes, as we start to wrap up this hour, thanks to uh, Jordan and the Wranglers for setting that up with Kevin Rooney. Thanks to Kevin for joining us on the program. And Kevin Rooney of the Wranglers joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery is at 403-248-3344.